Well, hello. Uh, welcome to the Creo Podcast. I am Tim Monahan. I am here with Mike Gerald and Stephen Barr. And we simply have a passion to fight for the forgotten. Those who are disenfranchised have been left or pushed aside by the church. And so we want to invite you into a conversation. We want to invite you into hopefully some challenging thought processes as we unpack a little bit of what it means to fight for those that have been ostracized in our world and our society. So I want to introduce to you Mike and Stephen again. Mike is the lead pastor of, do we say pastor Mike? Is that... Yeah, I don't know that we say pastor. We, you, disciple maker? Uh, I, you know... It, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say, Tim. It's uh, I I see myself as someone that is encouraging, um, sending out, releasing an an entire army of missionary disciple makers. So whatever you call that, that's what I do. So general? No. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's probably a that's probably a lightning rod of a statement. But I, I don't even know if I like the word catalyzer, catalyzer. or whatever. Um, but, but you're a Narrow Roads community out of Harrisburg, correct? Communities. Yep. Communities, because yep. you're a series of micro churches. Yep. Yep. Nice. And Stephen, you are. I'm all thrown off now by what titles we use. Um, are run with this here uh, <laughs> help me out understand what you do well um, I guess you could say I'm the lead pastor of oh. cast member church at Walt Disney World although I do not consider myself to be a pastor um, I'm more I, I'm like Mike I'm a disciple maker I empower people to find what God wants to do through them and expand the kingdom and so whatever that looks like, sometimes I'm a dad, you know, to, mm -hmm. to our cast members. Sometimes I'm an equipper. Sometimes I'm a counselor. It just depends on the day. So, but most people would call that a pastor. We'll go with that. Nice. And now, Stephen, if you, if you heard that, you did hear that he is in Walt Disney World. And so he has the job that every single one of us is jealous <laughs> about. At least I myself, I know <laughs> when my children met him and we unpacked where he uh, lived, they were very jealous. So, um, but it is something to remember. I myself am the, now I feel bad using the word, but I would say I am the lead pastor of a small church known as Be Free Summersworth. And we just have, I think we're just a group of people that have a passion for the broken. Mm -hmm. um, and when you, when push comes to shove, that's part of the conversation here today, mm -hmm. like fighting for the forgotten. So who are the forgotten? I mean, they're the cast members. They're the, mm -hmm. the people in our communities and that we're trying to catalyze, whether they're followers of Jesus or not. Mm -hmm. They're, they're your next door neighbor. They're, they're anyone that you're coming alongside. And so mm -hmm. hopefully our conversation today begins to unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now we did want to invite you into our stories a little bit to help you understand us a little bit more as we hopefully going forward um, get to be a part of your family as well. And so uh, I'm just going to have each of us sort of tell our story. Uh, that would be Mike. So you can unpack a little bit why we don't use that term pastor for you or catalyze or what it looks like. Um, so run with that. Yeah, so I was um, working. Yeah, I was I was working with a group of people in Harrisburg area, Pennsylvania, um, a church that grew very rapidly to seven eight hundred people, and 
looked around and thought, we, you know, we're not making disciples. We're not reaching lost people. Um, lives aren't being transformed. People look no different Monday through Saturday than, than the rest of their neighbors and coworkers and friends. Um, and coupled with that, I realized that most of our growth was transfer growth. They were all coming from other churches. Mm. Uh, we had better products, better goods and services, all that kind of stuff. Um, ended up speaking at a uh, EFCA leadership conference out in San Diego. And it was a testimonial kind of time to share the story of success about how our church was so rapidly growing um, small group of people in the suburbs outside of a city to just a large group of people. But I was struggling with where we were at, um, sat around the table with this, this group of men a week before I got married, and they each began to um, just bless me before my, before my wedding. Uh, one guy bought my food and drinks and said, hey, we got this covered. You're getting married next week. We just want to bless you. Another guy said, um, hey, why don't we all take turns, share one piece of advice for Mike for his future marriage. And the guys went around the table. It wasn't weird. It was good. It was rich. They all started investing into me, sharing advice. And um, a little bit later, as we sat around the table, one of the guys said, why don't we all share the stupidest mistake we've made in our marriages with Mike? Each of the guys went around the table and started saying, whatever you do, never do this. Whatever you do, never say this. And, you know, we got back into conversation and we're laughing and telling stories. And uh, one of the guys said, I really feel that the spirit has put it on my heart to buy a round of drinks for the table next to us. And so he bought a round of beers for the table next to us. And the table next to us said, who are you guys? We hear you laughing and um, telling stories and you seem really tight knit and you're having a ton of fun. Who are you? And the guy said, we're a group of guys that have started churches that are missionaries all over the country. And the person at the table said, no, you're not. He said, no, really, we are. Um, why don't you come join us? And so this four top next to us, two of the two of the guys at the table turned out to be agnostic or atheist. And uh, one of the one of the guys was burnt by the church. I don't know what the other person was. But they, they moved their four top over, joined us, and um, they were treated like insiders, not outsiders. Hmm. That's, that's interesting, because I think so often the church immediately looks at the outsiders and are, we want to keep them at arm's length. Yeah. And to hear your story is birthed around beer yeah. <laughs> and, it, and an invitation in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just one of those reminders of, I think we look so hard to the the complex for our stories and realizing the simplicity of, of your story starting in that moment. Yeah. I, I remember looking around, seeing these people at the table and, and with these guys who were not a part of the group, not believers, hmm. they're at the table with us. One of the other guys at the table said, um, why don't we, uh, I, I feel like we should pray a prayer of blessing for Mike for his future marriage. Mm. And so he didn't hide or push his faith on these newcomers to the table, but 
just did what he felt God calling him to do with these people there. And one of the guys said, um, one of the one of the new guys at the table who didn't share our faith said, that sounds like a really meaningful idea. And so the whole table began to pray for me. And I sat back in my seat and I thought, I have never felt so loved by a gr- group of Christians in my life. And then I thought, we, we have people that I have been trying to reach at the church that I'm at that are sitting here at the table with us while we pray, talk about what we believe, what they don't believe. We're blessing them, buying drinks for them. And I thought, what, what if the church looked like this? I mean, honestly, the church I was at, we, we read, we sang, um, we put on programs, but breaking a bread, prayer, mission, community, family. I felt, I felt as if I was seeing a better expression of the church at this pub than at the church that I was leading with hundreds and hundreds of people. And it, it sort of uh, sparked my imagination for what if the church looked like this? Maybe, maybe God wants me to start Blind Lady Alehouse Church or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I think, I think that's what this podcast is all about, right? The expressions of the church and how it can take so many different forms and how when we begin to fight for those that are lost— when we fight for our neighbor, when we fight for the prostitute, when we fight for the orphan or for the widow, we realize that we're literally just doing what God has called us to. Like we're we're a part of his kingdom here and now. And I think when I hear your story, Mike, it always gets me excited because, and I, and I said it earlier in the conversation of how complex church has become, how complex pursuing God's will in our lives has become and it's it's not and we just, and it's it's hard to hear that like simplify is key but it's it's so true and I, I I hope that we're encouraged by your story to think that this is something that we can do wherever we are yeah what if what if church looked more like a family that mm. was growing around a table yeah I, instead of 70 people facing forward, that didn't know each other. Yeah. Listening to one guy, clapping each other, giving high fives and walking out the door. Because I don't know about you, but when I when I want to impact the lives of my children, I line them up in rows. Yeah. <laughs> and I preach to them. Yes. <laughs> Beatrice and Samuel stand there for 25 minutes. Um, no, but thanks, Mike, for sharing that. I appreciate it. And I hope that it, sure. it begins to get us thinking a bit more about what are our stories and so, Stephen, I don't know if you mind taking a few minutes to unpack your story for us. Sure, sure. Um, well, uh, at the time, um, uh, Cast Member Church has been in existence now for about, um, let's, we're in our seventh year. Hmm. But before that, uh, I was a worship pastor for over 25 years. So I, I understood the Sunday, Sunday morning event. I knew how to put together a worship set. I knew how to get people excited and all and but as i was getting closer to 50 um I, I was seeing the same things mike was seeing and that was uh i see the same people coming in sitting in the same places you know how that works you just see the same people they sit in the very same seats and they have this wonderful worship experience they leave church 
and they come back the next week no different hmm. they just it was just a repetitive process and uh i realized that i just didn't want to be a part of that anymore and also be getting close to 50 i realized i don't want to be that 50 year old in skinny jeans and up there leading worship so i knew that it was like skinny no, jeans are your style no, is what skinny you're skinny jeans are not my style so uh so in any case um I just felt that, that God was, was getting ready to pull me out, to call me out into something different. Um, I was going to had the opportunity to plant a church in San Antonio, Texas, where we were living at the time. Um, and again, it was going to be an event-driven church. Uh, it's what I knew. It's what, all I knew for 25 years. And, um, and we had a great launch. Everything was going well. But uh, it collapsed very quickly. Hmm. And... It was very disappointing to say the least. Maybe question what my call was. You know, did I? Am I doing the right thing? Yeah, exactly. And um, I was having a a conversation with uh, one of our leaders, and uh, he brought up the fact that I have Disney in my blood. I was a cast member in 1991. And uh, everything, whenever we have meetings, I would be talking about Disney experiences, not just not just the magic of Disney, but how Disney ran its business, how they treated their cast members and things that I had learned that I wanted to put into into the processes of the church. And he said, why aren't you planting this at Disney? And I thought to myself, now that is an interesting idea, simply because uh, I'm wired for that. Hmm. And I thought I was. And so it took, I had, long story short, I had to, took a year to convince my wife that that might be a call for us. Uh, but we ended up coming to Disney. And again, I was going to do the show. I was going to, I was going to, my plan was to put together the, the ultimate Disney church. You know, and, and we would, cast members would be able to, cast members are people who work for Disney, by the way, I just realized. Um, uh, anyone who works for Disney as an employee is called a cast member. And so we thought, wow, we're just going to offer this really great worship experience for cast members. They're going to love it because it's like Disney. Well, that that fell flat on its face uh, in, in, in just a, a horrible way, simply because you cannot out-Disney Disney. You just can't. It's impossible. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, I, I had moved my family from San Antonio to Orlando and to plant this church, and now everything that I had planned had was in the trash can little did i know that it was god who actually took those plans and put them in the trash you know can. we all do we all write stories <laughs> yeah, god like, just one by one scratches <laughs> the top nope passes on the top of the head that's cute <laughs> i appreciate that but but he he really put in my heart it's like look Stephen, uh you have to let me build my church and there's nothing in scripture that says i'm supposed to build his church it says he's going to build his church so i had to go back to square one and i had to look at the Gospels and look at the book of Acts. What does the church look like? And I had this huge awakening where I saw a church that doesn't resemble anything that looks like today. Hmm. I saw people that, you know, you look at those, Mike and I have been talking about this, the, the last few verses of the second chapter of Acts is this incredible picture of the church. And, it, and, it, and I love how um, Luke actually emphasizes the fact that the church was growing in numbers and in favor with all people and that uh, that god was adding to their numbers daily there you go church growth strategy do this and who doesn't who doesn't want to be a part of a community where we're breaking bread from house to house we're sharing stories we're sharing resources Mm -hmm. we're becoming like family exactly exactly so that to me was like that's what i feel like god was calling us to do and so we shifted and we started thinking, you know what? We're not going to we're not going to build a church. 
we're just going to start creating a family environment for people to come into uh, for cast members. Most cast members are, our church is 100% uh, millennial and right now 95% European because of Epcot. So we have people that have no point of reference uh, when it comes to Christianity. They, they, they literally do not have an idea who Jesus is, uh, Easter, Christmas, none of that. And so, but we were able to offer them a family. And they would be able to come to our home and they would begin to experience a welcome that they'd never experienced before and wondered. We never hid our faith. We, we would pray for meals. We would, we would offer to pray for people if there was a situation going on at work. Um, we lived our life and just simply invited people into that family environment. And that's when it started to take a hold. And we realized God was building his church by us simply being him, being Christ, to those around us at Disney. And so that's how things started to kick in and it's it's been a it's been a wild ride ever since then. Yeah, I think I think what was great is your flexibility in what you do. When we were talking yesterday <laughs> like what one one month we'll have you know seven yeah. or eight sites going and <laughs> yeah, next month exactly. we'll have two yeah um but it's just being willing to flex with what god's doing and a lot of that's transition yeah, yeah. but i think it shows the fluidity and the greatness is that i think we for, we look at that and some people according to metrics mm -hmm. would be like ooh, mm -hmm. you know you're not quite hitting the bar well we're comparing all right because stuff, always numbers yeah. you want all these different things but the reality is is um Buildings, bucks, and butts. Yeah. Man. Yep, that's it. Well, and I think yeah. I think you might have said this. Mm -hmm. um, give me a second to put my thoughts together. But you talked about how uh, you can build a church filled with disciples, mm -hmm. but you may never have the church. Oh yeah. If you, but well, if you yeah. but if you disciple people, mm -hmm. you automatically yeah. Have the if church. you and if you plant a church, you might get disciples. You might. Yeah. You might. But if you make disciples, you always always get the church. Hmm. And Jesus didn't say, go into the world and plant churches. He didn't. He said, go into the world and make disciples. Well, and, and, and I also realized that not everyone out here is called to plant a church. They, it's, but everyone has the capacity to make a disciple. Somehow, some way, Jesus would not have given us that commission to every Christian, to every, follow, every person who follows him, uh, without giving them the capacity to make a disciple. And that, that excites me because now we can actually see him build the church if we just simply be obedient to that commission. Yeah. The irony is if every person makes two or three disciples. Oh, my gosh. Maybe they end up planting churches. Well, that's it. That, that is a church. That right? is it. Yeah. I mean, define a church. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got the two or three where two or three are gathered. There I am. So you have something. So we now have things that are happening at tables and, and in meeting in restaurants, meeting in bars, meeting where you're seeing the church pop up everywhere and it's a beautiful thing yes and i i like that idea of in both of the conversations as we've unpacked a little bit of our stories like the expression of the church is different like we're not sitting here and saying like large buildings are evil what <laughs> right but it's, it's understanding like the, the spirit moves in right. different expressions and part of the goal here in this podcast is to unpack that a little bit to set us free Mm -hmm. because we can be bound so tightly by the one form that we know. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is like God's written a unique story in each of us. Mm -hmm. And because of that unique story, he allows us to impact unique people. Mm -hmm. And as we in impact those unique people, they impact people and they impact people. Mm -hmm. And so the, the kingdom expands really in an amazing fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, 
as we have walked through our stories a little bit, like our passion is Jesus. Like we're unequivocally like Jesus first. And I, I just want us to sort of, maybe Mike, you can help us here, unpack a little bit of the greatest story and why we do what we do as a foundation. So we have our stories in the background, um, but those are built on something and that would be Jesus. And so what does it mean as we, we go forward as our podcast will sort of unveil like little by little, the forgotten, um, help us out a little bit here. Yeah, I think, uh, one of the things my wife and I have found is that all of the people that we're connecting with, every single one of them are really messed up, including Jackie and I (laughs) and our kids. We're just all broken, imperfect, flawed, struggling people. And I, I think rather than trying to pretend like we have everything together to, to set a table and bring people into community and, and, uh, enjoy the, the freedom that's found in knowing that Jesus has paid the tab. Hmm. He says, it's finished. Nothing else needs done. I've, I've already done it. I've covered it. You're free. You're forgiven. The debt's been paid. And we all get to raise a coffee or tea or glass of whatever type and say, hey, isn't it great that somebody else picked up the tab? Isn't it great that Jesus covered this and that we're free? And that we're loved. And we all get to celebrate that together. Our friends need that. Our friends need that good news. So there's something about the the brokenness in our culture, in our communities, in our friends, and in ourselves. That we get to commonly admit our, our brokenness and our need and find grace in Jesus. And out of that, we just want to extend it to other people. We're enjoying Jesus. We like him a lot. We're very thankful that he's done what he's done for us. And Jesus is freedom and has, has set us free. And because of that, we want all of our friends to know freedom. Mm-hmm. And so you set tables. And when you make friends and you share the table with your friends and they have needs, you want to help your friends because you care about them. Mm-hmm. And so there's this natural uh, way of life where... You're enjoying grace, extending that to others because you share what you enjoy. People do that. You naturally share what you're enjoying. You're enjoying Jesus. You're going to share him. Um, You share Jesus with the people that you love. And as you genuinely love them and they become friends to you, you want to care for your friends. And so there's this beauty of watching God work in this dynamic relationship that you have with him and with the people around you. I, I think it's I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Is there anything I think Mike sort of hit it on the head there? That was beautiful, yeah. man. I was <laughs> I was like yeah, wow. <laughs> I I can't really add anything to that other than the fact that we now recognize that Jesus is sitting at the table with us every time we invite people in. And we don't have to work hard to for him to be revealed if we just simply allow his grace to flow through us. Is it inconvenient? Yes. Is it messy? Yes. But 
he does the heavy lifting if we simply be obedient. It's that whole yoke thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he says, take my yoke. Yeah. And instead we put something else on. I don't know what it is. Well, too, too, too often in my ministry in the past, I've been try- I was trying to be somebody else. Where I felt like I had to live up to a certain standard in order to be able to be effective in ministry. And I have learned little by little and painfully at times that I all I have to do is be me be Jesus and be intentional. Mm-hmm. And and he does the rest, but it is not going to work on my schedule. It's not going to work on my calendar. It's not going to I can't I can't put him in a compartment and say this will be the time that I do that. It has to flow out of everything. And as Mike was saying that you know, we we like Jesus. We love hanging out with him. We love him being a part of our lives, and that just overflows into other people who are around us. He's he's the hero. You know, Absolutely. He's, he's amazing. And um yeah. Well, I think that we'll, we'll sort of transition here in this moment. Um, but I think as we've now sort of taken our stories and we've taken the story of Jesus, I hope that you're encouraged today a little bit about like who God is calling you to be. Because at the end of the day, um, Jesus came to fight for you too. Mm-hmm. And as we unpack now going forward what it is to fight for those who are sort of pushed to the side, um, you are welcome at the table. And so that does it for this episode of Fighting for the Forgotten, and we will see you on the flip side.